Welcome to Mint. My name is Adam Levy, and I'm going to be showing you how the creators of today are building the communities of tomorrow by harnessing the power of Web3. This episode welcomes Jeremy Vaughn, founder and CEO of Remark, the soon-to-be social token issuance platform on Solana. The main premise behind this conversation revolves around the current state of social tokens on the Solana blockchain and why he believes ESG tokens are a better framework for understanding brands and creators. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. Welcome. Thank you, man. Thank Good you for being on. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Dude, this is uh this is the first in-person, like high quality session. I upgraded everything. We try to record it, but uh the studio for recording is not up to par. We are in my <laughs> uh my dining room. And if we tried to record it, you'd see the the living room light shine. So anyways, I digress. Here we are. Welcome. Thank you. Give us a quick brief on yourself. Who the hell are you? What does the world need to know about you? Uh, but more specifically, yes. what were you doing before crypto? It's a good question. It's a good question. So my name is Jeremy. I'm the founder and CEO of Remark, which is a CeFi exchange that mints tokens for creators, communities, and companies. And let's see. Yeah, born and raised in the Bay Area, California. Um, I am with a background in music, specifically music and graphic design have a master's degree from Berkeley College of Music in global entertainment and music business. And, you know, it's always since I was, you know, since I was young, it was the, my goal to start a, start a company. Uh, I didn't know what into what, but, uh, you know, part of starting a company is the journey to find out what, you know, what that company is about. And it changes in the, along the way. So um, prior to starting this company, I actually just came right out of grad school and just said, you know, there's no better time in my life to, to experiment, to build this. Um, so yeah, just dove straight in. I did work in for five years at a, at a live venue before. Oh, okay. Why, why did you want to start a company so bad? It kind of runs in my family. Okay. Uh, both my parents were entrepreneurs. They're both, uh, fashion designers. Um, so they had a company, my grandparents had companies, all that sort of stuff. So it's kind of built into our DNA as, you know, as the Vons, if you will, um, to start companies. Um, so, you know, so is there, is there a family business? There is not a family business anymore. Okay. Um, but there was, there was okay. when my parents were in their twenties. Okay. So got it. So when you say fashion, like what kind of fashion, like, like streetwear, like, like yeah. suits and dresses. Suits. And, okay. Yeah. That kind of stuff. They had a, they had a shop, um, down here in LA. Okay. Um, but now my dad works for a company called Marmot. Uh, Marmot. Okay. Designer there. Cool. So when you tell them that you work in crypto, how do they understand that? Do they understand that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, parents are very supportive, uh, helping me through this journey, building the company, um, and they've been learning along with me. So I, I always share with them what I'm working on, and you know, so yeah, they're right there with it. They're excited about it. Um, so yeah, no, it's been part of the journey. Also, is to make sure that what we're talking about is understandable to everybody. Kind of making it part of our vision is to being bring crypto and what we're working on to as many people as possible. So it's always great to stress test that description with the people around you make sure that they yeah. at least understand it first yeah damn so how did you actually get your start in crypto like did, was it like through an asset that you bought was it research like everybody has their own unique like entry point what's yours mine was um i was familiar with blockchain for a while not, okay. not so much on the crypto side thinking about it from a data management side so a lot of what we do stems from data first party data so that's how i was thinking about it originally um and then i had an opportunity last year 
beginning of 2021 to do a hackathon called the ETH Global NFT Hackathon. Um, we ended up, the team that I was with ended up winning a prize from Circle uh, oh, for, cool. our, for our project, which was super exciting and kind of gave us, you know, myself and the rest of my team, the confidence to be like, all right, blockchain and crypto is not that scary, yeah. right? We can, we can make something cool yeah. here. Um, so that was kind of the first like foray into actually building something. Of course I had, you know, my Coinbase accountant and dabbled in it a little bit yeah. before that, but, uh, that was sort of the unlock of, okay, it's not so scary. I think we can build something pretty cool here. Was that your first hackathon? That was also my first hackathon. And you won a prize from Circle. Yeah. What was the prize? I was just some cash. Okay. Okay. Not super exciting, but it was more of the experience of being recognized for our ideas. That was more important than the, you know, actual winnings. Yeah. Okay. So remark, okay. Uh, Equal social tokens in the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. What are you guys building at remark? So yeah, um, like my intro, I said, we're building a CFI exchange and basically CFI is like DeFi. It stands for centralized finance. So we're kind of bringing the best of both worlds of your DeFi decentralized finance elements when it comes to the trading and the crypto assets, but then bringing, you know, web two kind of uh, usability to the platform. So you can log in with email address, password, that sort of stuff. We are a custodial exchange, so we provide wallets for our users, uh, that type of stuff. I almost like to call it sometimes web 2.5, that there's a little bit of best of both worlds. Uh, So yeah, we're really building this crypto exchange. Um, We are actually um, thinking of our tokens. Yeah, they are technically social tokens in that space or brand tokens. Uh, We actually like to call them ESG tokens, uh, which we could get into a little bit later. But um, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, they're basically tokens for creators, communities, and companies. Uh, We do focus on those that have a business unit that goes along with it. They've got a team, they've got a marketing budget. That's really key to our business model. It's less about, um, you know, of course, community is super important, um, but it's more about customers, if you will, kind of that differentiation where the token can actually be used to drive business more than just, um, you know, fan engagement and that type of stuff. One of the things that I always make sure that the team is focused on is like the things that we're innovating, they should be things that you couldn't have done with Web2, right? Actually using the technology to do something new rather than just bringing an existing system into Web3. Huh. So what are some things that you can't do in Web2 that you can do in Web3? Very, very dumbed down, stupid question, but just to kind of carry the same thought. Some things would be, let's just say you're an emerging brand. Okay. You can't go public on a stock market. Right. Right. So you can't necessarily, you know, the only way at this point to previous to Web3 to get investment from your communities, maybe like a crowdfunding thing or you're, you're selling equity, but that's not really liquid, right? Because when you buy and sell equity, the only way you can cash that out is if there's somebody who acquires the company or if you go public, which is hard for smaller brands and certainly for, for artists. Um, so that's, that's sort of one thing is the community angle to investment um, is one thing. Um, and then, yeah, we, we focus ourselves as a finance platform more than like a social network or a fan engagement thing. So th- all the examples kind of come around finance. Yeah. The way I like to think about it is it's a financialization of everything, of mm-hmm. everything digital. It's, it's, it's being able to actually provably own uh, and verifiably own um, X, whatever, right. whatever it is that's digital. Um, like yourself, you clearly have an interest in creator economy. You have an interest in, yep. in brands being tokenized, uh, which I think is, is a really up and coming niche that has yet to be fully explored. We see other platforms kind of experiment with tokenizing people or tokenizing sure. brands, quote unquote, uh, but nothing at scale just yet. And that's really found like product market fit 
in my my opinion. I think people still have like uh, uh, their questions and their their uncertainties around what a social token is. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on is because you introduced like a new light to it, right? Um, primarily by coining it as an ESG token. Um, so for starters, what does ESG stand for? Okay. Why is it different than a social token? Is it different than a social token? Um, yeah, just take it from there. Yeah, so ESG comes from the, the world of stocks. So it's an acronym that stands for Environmental, Social, and Corporate Governance. Um, so it's really a way for companies to you know, put a value upon uh, their intangible assets. Um, and it's usually used as a way of um, evaluating stocks, whether they're you know, impact-driven or you know, good for the environment or they have sustainable practices and that type of stuff. Um, at this point, it's a little bit of an unregulated space. There are you know, a number of companies in that uh, you know, sector of stock ratings, ESG ratings that kind of come up with their own metrics. Um, and it's really advantageous for a lot of, you know, large fortune 500 companies to have higher ratings because then they can be put into, you know, better sustainable funds and it has a meaningful impact on their stock price. Um, so the, one of the reasons why this is really important for us and we chose to go with this branding is, Again, to move a little bit away from the monetizing celebrity or monetizing the individual and make it a little bit more brand or company focused. And also, if you like, dig a little bit deeper into the definition of ESG, it's really about evaluating those intangible assets. And that's really kind of what these social tokens or brand tokens are. They're a monetary value of the intangible assets of a an artist or creator in sort of our traditional thinking about it right you're not necessarily putting your uh you know your income as part of it there's not necessarily property backing it right it's just the tokens or the u.s dollars or euros whatever the currency is that backs the value of these you know smart contracts on blockchain um so we found that the esg metric is uh, is a nice way to differentiate ourselves a little bit in the market from a branding perspective, but we also use the categories um, actively. So tokens on the Remark Exchange will be in the categories of environmentally driven, so socially driven, which really falls under the existing social token umbrella you know, for artists, athletes, creators, that type of stuff, and then also governance. So we're not going full DAO with the token, but you can do like token-based voting or things like that. So the tokens kind of fall under those three uh, use cases. So why call it again like ESG over a social token? And when you call it an ESG token, who does that cater to? Like what type of uh, investor? Do consumers understand ESG factors, um, or is that more tailored towards like traditional funds, hedge funds, for example, that see this as maybe an alternative asset? For example, like how, how do you think about that? Yeah, we are definitely there is a specific ESG target, and we're working on developing that as well. Um, but I think that's more of what we use as like a technical definition rather than necessarily what can be what's over on the website mm-hmm. or when you know fans are talking about it or engaging with their specific token that they want to, right? So let's just say, okay, the first token that we're going to be launching on the platform is from a Grammy-nominated artist, Masego. Um, he's really into crypto. Uh, he's really knowledgeable about the space. Um, but we're not going to be calling his, referring to his token in the marketing materials as the Masego ESG token, right? Mm. It's more of like a technical definition of how we define what our platform does more than how we sell the product or encourage our our customers, users, communities to sell the product. So his will just be Sego coin. Um, so that type of stuff. Got it. So when you 
present this in marketing materials, okay? You don't use the ESG, uh, I guess, term. You use his name, like you said. Yeah. Um, but then again, why why call it ESG over social token? Like, I'm waiting for, like, the aha moment kind of thing, right? Like, I, I understand companies on the stock market using, like, people basically create metrics using their ESG factors, right? Sure. And how they're kind of, like, treating... Uh, um, the climate, right? How are they, how are they like thinking about their social impact, all these other things. Um, and they use that as a metric to kind of further evaluate the value uh, of a stock, right? Rather than using that entire metric to kind of value the entire company, for example, right? Which what I'm understanding is like this ESG factor is used as another metric to kind of evaluate a brand, an Mm -hmm. artist versus actually valuing them entirely by their public price. Yeah. Right. Is that is that how you're thinking about it? Yeah, absolutely. I think we're we're thinking about the tokens as not necessarily. I don't want the value of an individual, especially as an individual, to live and die by their token price. Right. It's certainly a aspect of their business, um, and it is a way of um, evaluating them compared to their peers. Right. Okay. That's usually what these metrics are for. So you can kind of create a standard and a rating system. But I think the the really the key p- piece is that it's not a evaluation of social or celebrity which i think okay. there's a existing understanding of what that's what social tokens are right and we have a broader mission than just uh celebrity and social there are definitely musicians going to be and creators on our platform but we're also talking to brands mm-hmm. um and other types of of companies and communities so we wanted to have a broader definition of the tokens that we're providing uh so for example if you're working with an es uh an e-commerce brand right you don't necessarily want to think of that as a social token right maybe it's more of a brand token or maybe it's driving you know it's might be driving sales impact for them um so it's not necessarily about fan engagement for when it comes to a brand so the goal was to really find a more all-encompassing angle and why we picked esg is because it has the ability to put a value on the intangible assets of a brand and that's what it's that's what it's used for but we also say there's an opportunity to make the term ESG more action-based, more impact-based. Right now, it's more of like a passive rating of mm-hmm. things they're doing. Uh, but what we're getting into is like, can you actually use the tokens to drive change? Maybe you, you do a payout of tokens for hitting certain metrics or things like that. So actually making the the ESG acronym a little bit more action-based. Yeah. You know, for the longest time, even in the beginning of uh, season one of Mint, I always saw social tokens as like this... Uh What's the what's the TV show? Uh, black, uh, black Black Mirror, Mirror yeah. right? This like type of Black Mirror scenario where there's going to be a human stock market, right? And everybody's going to be bidding on every on, on, on everyone, yep. and like your social clout is now based on your financial clout, mm-hmm. right? Um, and your worth is determined by your publicly traded price. And by introducing the ESG element, it actually really eases that narrative. And just makes it another thing that people look at, for example, beyond your social media following, beyond uh, your engagement rate, all these other external metrics. The ESG factor is just an additional metric as well, rather the entire pie of like who you are. Like when BitClout came out, for example, that was like the epitome of a human stock market, exactly. right? By force, by brute force. Um, so I like it has a better marketing play in my opinion. Um, so when you when you think about where we are right now in music, okay? Yeah. Why do musicians and artists need ESG tokens, for example? Like what is that what is that thing? What, what what's the purpose for launching one, for building a community around one? Uh, how do you guys look at that internally? 
So we look at that as a little bit of a roundabout way, but we look at it from starting with data, right? Okay. As a musician, as an artist, um, for the most part, you don't know who your customers are, which is something interesting to think about, right? As Nike, for example, you know exactly who your customers are, who's buying from you. As a musician, the, your biggest point of sale is like Spotify, for example, or Apple Music, right? And Apple Music and Spotify don't share the individual customer data with you. So the only way you get to know your customers are on social media, but there's also a limit to what information social media shares with you. So the idea of the social token is to find that one place where your fan base can coalesce from multiple platforms um, and to use the the token to drive business um, directly or and to invest in the future of the artist of course that is definitely part of it um, but for example if you're doing ticket sales right maybe you know one of the things that my favorite example when it comes to using these tokens for business is like a cashback right so it's not necessarily i mean you can do gated access but you could also do hey maybe my ticket's 50 dollars yeah but i'm going to do a premium ticket that's for 65 and the fan ends up buying 15 dollars worth of their uh, you know that artist token along the way um, so really using it to a consolidate audience across platforms really understand who your best fans are because um, we have a number of tools that help the fans you know to you know, promote and share the content of that artist that they believe in and be rewarded for it. So consolidating that, using the data, building a bigger, you know, um, better data model for the artists and their business teams to be able to utilize in their sales process. Um, and then also, of course, using it then in step two to actually drive sales and incentivize, you know, fans to engage with the business side of the artist um, outside of just streaming or, you know, watching a video on YouTube. Why don't you think Shop, uh, not Shopify, Spotify provides this data uh, to their artists? That's that's Shopify. Uh, sorry, did the same <laughs> yeah, <thing? laughs> that's Spotify's moat. That's their value, right? Because if if they give you that data, then you can just take that data and, and leverage it and yeah. take traction off their platform. I guess uh, similar thing with like TikTok, right? Videos on TikTok perform worse if they're directing you to an external site, right? Right. So all these platforms, it's about keeping you within their ecosystem for yeah. as long as possible, and if they're providing you information that allows you to go without their ecosystem, then there's less of a value that they have to control of the relationship. How do you build that similar moat in Web3 and in decentralized products, for example? You've been, well, for example, what we've done is, is that the social tokens on our platform are only tradable within our platform. Mm. So the, and again, this kind of goes back to the CeFi element a little bit and that the, of course, when it comes to the blockchain part, we run on Solana. So um, it is a little bit, more, again, a central, more centralized blockchain as some people argue. Um, but um, that part of it is decentralized, right? It has the, the crypto aspects to it. But the actual trading happens only in our platform. Uh, now we do have a platform token called Rick, which the future goal is to have tradable in other places. But one of the ways that we can build value, we can build that moat is to have the best artists, have the best brands, have the best creators and communities in our exchange. Um, and that's how we can build value. Um, and because there is a corporate team behind Remark, um, that's what we can work towards and, and, and strive for. So can they take that? Well, okay, let me backtrack. So from what I'm understanding, that their token, the creator coin, the ESG yeah. social token, however yes. you want to call it, um, that stays native on your platform, meaning the creator or the artist or the brand can't take it outside of the Remark exchange and they can't trade like 
I guess, freely on the Solana blockchain. Correct. Okay. Why do you think that's a better model versus kind of making everything more free um, and more, I guess, uh, interoperable, for example? Mm -hmm. It's a good question. It's something that we definitely thought about a lot. Um, And it comes down to the process of launching a token um, and the liquidity required to do that. Um, So one of the things that we do is we provide um, an offset to launching the token so that, you know, it doesn't necessarily require a lot of funds to to mint or, you know, initial initially start a token. Um, but you can still have a, you know, a competitive or meaningful price. It can start at $1 or $2, $3, something like that. Um, so in order to do that, we don't want to open up that trading pool to anybody to come and start trading with it because then we can potentially lose liquidity from the pool um, that way. So there's a sort of a technical reason for that. Um, but it also, I think, provides a more cohesive experience for the the customer Mm -hmm. um and also there are different things like the concept of arbitrage where there are you know ethereum can have a different price slightly Mm -hmm. on whatever exchange you're trading it on um so there is an ability to have slightly different values of a cryptocurrency wherever you're trading it so when we're talking about valuing a brand or a creator we think it's important to have one source of truth when it comes to price and one source of the truth when it comes to value because one of our you know missions and incentives as a company is to be a trusted third party when it comes to regulators when it comes to customers when it comes to our clients as well um, so that we want to make sure that people who are engaging with our products know exactly what they're getting um, and it's not that we're trying to say that you can't use the token anywhere else there are some things that we've been thinking about with nfts maybe in the future where that token experience can allow you to get into other platforms um, but for for the moment in starting these tokens, keeping them within our ecosystem is what we, we've chosen as the strategy. What's up, guys? Adam Levy here. Sorry for the quick pause. I wanted to give some love to our two NFT sponsors that are making this episode a reality. They are Coinvise and Polygon Studios. On Coinvise, you can create a personal or community-owned social token on Ethereum or Polygon. Coinvise also helps you create incentives through token rewards and bounties, NFT business models, and bot integrations for Discord. Discover more today by visiting coinvise.co. Polygon Studios is the gaming and NFT arm of Polygon, who's focused on growing the blockchain gaming and NFT industry while bridging the gap between Web 2 and Web 3 gaming. The Polygon Studios ecosystem comprises highly loved blockchain games like OpenSea, Upshot, Avagachi, Zed Run, Skyweaver, Decentraland, and Decentral Games. If you're a gamer, builder, or NFT creator looking to join the Polygon Studios ecosystem, get started today by visiting polygonstudios.com. All right, back to the episode. How do you think about when DeFi products uh, get more evolved and more advanced and creators want to start implementing DeFi into their communities, right? From either lending and like peer-to-peer lending and borrowing, staking, uh, et cetera. Like how would that translate on your platform, for example? Because like they could also technically create their own moat of liquidity, right? With the right level of expertise, with yep. the right level of subject subject knowledge, right? Yeah. Um, which I think is actually very much of a value add for creators who just want to focus on creating and they're not as advanced, right? When it yep. comes to that, having that crazy team behind them that have DeFi experience, sure. cr- uh, crypto experience, whatever. So it's very much like the individual and what their what their level of understanding is. But again, backtrack, like how do you think about when DeFi comes into the, into the picture right now? I feel like it's very much uh, 
institutional focus, right? Yeah. We haven't really seen sticky examples of creators using it. We see like NFT lending and borrowing and used mm -hmm. as collateral, but yeah, I don't know. I'm like, I'm like ranting here a little bit. I, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. So we actually do enable staking for all the tokens on our platform. Okay. Um, and this is, you know, I think it's a great way to be able to earn passive income as a fan, be able to continue to support your, your artist or player. So one sec, when they stake, they get the remark token? They get, no, they get an additional amount of that uh, artist that, or creator's got token. Got it. Okay. So basically, uh, just to get into the token, yeah. it's just a tiny bit. We have, um, their tokens are uncapped, but there is an initial supply of 10 million. Um, and then the creator brand receives 10% of that market. So they receive 1 million tokens. But again, going back to our offset, we don't put all 10 million of those tokens into circulation. So the way, so maybe we start with, you know, 5% of the total supply. So how do we increase from 5% up to 100% all the way up to 10 million tokens? Well, we use staking to do that. So mm. it's based on the actual, um, you know, interest in the token. So the more people who are staking it and engaging with it, the faster it unlocks and gets to 100%. So that's sort of a practical way we can increase the, the liquidity and supply of tradable mm. tokens. Okay. So it's an uncapped token. Yeah. So is that also how you kind of mitigate inflation, right? In the in the I guess the value of the tokening token lessening, for example. Like how how do you kind of because like the first thing that comes to mind, and I and I ask these from a very like dumbed down, or I try to ask them from a very dumbed down point of view. You know, you think okay, uncapped, unlimited supply. Um, you think inflation, right? You think right. about like dilution, right. right? Does staking solve that? I think we use staking as as a way to control price. Not, not that we're saying that we're going to be going in there and like manipulating price. There's a set formula that all the tokens mm -hmm. work on. So it's the same for everybody. But the idea is that maybe not all tokens get up to 100%, right? Depending on your size of your brand. Um, I think one of the reasons we wanted to do this was um, because if some token does blow up, right? Maybe there's an opportunity to have more tokens available, and that's one of the things that I particularly like about this token space versus NFTs in particular is people can buy into the ecosystem at whatever price suits their wallet, right? Whatever they can choose to. If I wanted to be part of the Board Ape Yacht Club, right, I have to put down some serious money mm -hmm. in order to be part of that, and that's the part of the value proposition, right? It's to make something exclusive. What we want to do is we want to drive business, we want to drive commerce, and we want to make this accessible to as many people as possible. So having the flexibility to have unlimited supply if we need it, um, I think that's an important concept, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we are inflating the price of tokens. There will still be a nice you know, bonding curve sure. increase in price. How do you think about the difference between a social token or an ESG token and an NFT? and the utility that comes around that. Um, I kind of use this sliding scale analogy where on the right side you have an NFT and on the left side you have a social token or ESG token. Um, and on the right side, basically there are fewer NFTs. That's how NFTs gain in value, right? The more scarce there are, the fewer of them there are, the more valuable it is. On the other side, in our model at least, when you talk about these tokens, the more they are, the more valuable it is. So kind of the goal is to, it's a little bit different, right? NFTs, the goal is to have a curated, tight community of people who are buying and selling that one particular asset. In our version of ESG tokens, we want to make it as broad as possible and make it as accessible to people as possible. So that's why we've designed our model in that way so that the tokens, as they're you know, using staking and different means of distribution, as more people 
receive them, buy them, sell them, trade them, earn them, um, the value goes up. And so as the community grows, so does the amount of tokens and so does the price and so does the value. I see. So I see people uh, issuing like membership passes as NFTs as a way to kind of create a top level funnel of entry um, and then kind of exploring what the funnel looks like beyond that from monetization, from utility, etc. How do you know which one to choose over the other? Like if a creator comes in here right now and they're like, okay, I want to become more Web3 native. I want to own my audience. I want to build a community around some type of asset. What type of creator goes the ESG route Mm -hmm. or the social token route? What type of creator goes down the NFT membership pass route? Um, one, yeah, one other difference I put here is, is that I think of NFTs as products, right? Okay. It's an individual experience per NFT, even if you have a number of them in the collection, right? Versus a ESG token is more of a long kind of long game, sort of longer mm-hmm. value. It's more currency based, of course. Um, so I think it depends on the, on the project, right? If you're trying to do a one-off experience or something like that, just kind of dip your toe in, see what it's like. I would definitely suggest going the NFT route. If you're trying to create a new business process um, and have a more uh, holistic strategy when it comes to utilizing the tokens in different ways, uh, I would maybe consider the ESG token route. I think both have value. Both models have value. Um, it's just about finding the right use case uh, for what you're trying to do as a creator, artist, or brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious to see how this unfolds because there's no playbook everyone's still experimenting and when you think you're late to the game you're actually beyond early because (laughs) there is no playbook there is no set rule um everyone's building in public everyone's throwing shit at the fan and seeing what and seeing what sticks actively you know so yeah i'm curious to see how that kind of unfolds you also come from a music business or music uh uh, background um and part of season four is all about music x crypto Mm -hmm. right how are you understanding what the current state of like the music crypto landscape uh is currently i think it's you know we've definitely seen a lot of nft focus i think social tokens haven't had their moment yet like you said earlier there's no maybe market leader there are definitely other platforms out there that have gotten significant funding and traction um we haven't seen a market leader yet or that quite yet in social tokens so i think it's definitely focused on nfts at the moment certainly around you've seen examples where you're you know, tokenizing royalties or you're doing one-off projects or things like that. Uh, I think that's probably the focus and probably will be the focus for the rest of 2022. Um, so I, th- I think that's where we've seen, in at least my research opinion, seen the most use cases for artists getting into crypto and, and Web3 sort of stuff. And maybe I think it's also around fan engagement. That's been sort of the main use case. Buy an NFT, get access to this or you know, own part of my future success through royalties or things like that. Um, those have been, what, what have you seen has been interesting or successful or not? Um, yeah. Finally, somebody asks me a question. Jeez, I feel like I'm always asking the questions. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so what have I seen be successful so far? In music and music crypto, yeah. Um, the best use case to date, the, base, the best success story and I take and I say this with a grain of salt because it's it's still fresh, right? It's still new. But what we've seen so far is someone like Daniel Allen, who's building, uh, who's an independent artist, okay, uh, super talented, really started producing music, I guess, full time. And don't take my word for that, one hundred percent. I don't want to butcher his story, but really got more active in music and producing music during COVID. 
uh, to which he started publishing just tracks continuously on Spotify, built some type of an audience, and then later crowdfunded an EP um, where he basically, he's like, I'm going to tokenize my artist share of all the songs that I want to produce um, and respectively give 50% of that to everybody who supports this crowdfund to bring the EP to life, um, which is a questionable model, right? Sure. Um, but ended up being really successful, okay? Now, when you think about creating like an, and forming a creator DAO, right? Because that's what essentially what it is, a creator token-based community around a creator, around his art, around his craft. Um, you have to think, okay, how do they actually derive value back to their token holders, right? right? Now that everybody kind of pitched him money and he raised almost $200,000 in 48 hours. Wow, nice. Um, because they were excited about this aspect of getting ownership in his artist share of an EP, like super cool, mm-hmm. you know? Um, you think about, okay, how can you derive value back to your token holders? Exactly. Where does the money come from? Yep. Because let's be real, like the royalties, unless he becomes Justin Bieber, unless he becomes uh, uh, the Kid Leroy, right? Yep. And earns millions upon billions of streams and actually makes money from his royalties, right? He'll make money. He's giving up 50%. But the people who crowdfunded the campaign, if you do the math, it doesn't make sense for them. The amount of money that I contributed, I will not be making back in a very, very long time based yep. off royalties. But what he did do, that was super cool. He's like, okay, not only will you get 50% of the royalties, you'll also get 50% of revenue from any other source that pertains to the EP. Nice. So he sold music NFTs, right? One right. of ones, additions, um, and took 50% of that revenue and put it back into the treasury, right? Nice. The, the, the community treasury. So you start thinking about, okay, so not only will he start selling his art, aka his music to collectors, he'll also be doing events. Right. These events will be at some point on chain too, meaning the tickets, they're going to have value. Everything that's kind of generated from the overstim EP is going to go back to the treasury. So what's the best example that I've seen? That is the best example that I've seen. I think we've scratched the surface um, and like, tickled actually yep. the surface of what's possible with music nfts um i think we're seeing a lot of interesting people doing interesting things and monetizing and creating value but again there's no playbook yet yeah everybody's just building a public i think today uh the grammy award-winning artist or producer uh, rec just uh released his kind of like value add or experience or x or utility however you want to call it for right. his token holders where he basically built a, uh, a custom website a destination similar to what like don diablo did the dj mm-hmm. when he released his new album it's like this really cool like 1990s types of homepage where you can connect your wallet and have this like really cool digital experience nice. if you collected his stuff if you bought into his social token or received his social token i don't think you can buy it um again that's not really connected to music like it wasn't necessarily connected to his uh his music success people got the token because he's a musician like his entire story maybe not directly because he's a musician but it's all kind of like tied together but again it goes back to everybody's just experimenting there is no there is no playbook here so yeah, I could tell you that there's one of ones that people have been doing really well with on catalog editions. Right. Um, the list goes on and on, but yeah, we have yet to really see what what's successful. I don't know. We've went through an interesting phase and back to you, like the last few months, we see a lot of experimentation around NFTs. Anything specifically that stood out to you from an artist point of view, from a platform point of view, um, from a strategy point of view? Well, yeah, I think 
part of the example that you gave, which I think is a great example, is is that uh, NFTs and all these crypto, you know, Web three models need you need to think about where the money is coming in, right? Once you've done the done the initial sell, you've done the fundraise. How do you bring value back to the treasury, right? Um, and there needs to be multiple revenue streams for that. I actually read a little bit of an article on this. Why I don't think that, uh, in my opinion, you shouldn't buy a music NFT for the royalties. Is because from coming from the music space, knowing that the payouts take you know a quarter to six months, and then you have to then put that on chain. And what if you got a royalty check from your label? If you're signed to a label that encompasses a bunch of songs, that doesn't necessarily just encompass the one song you put on chain. So there are a lot of sort of back end processes that make that a little bit difficult. Um, so I think what we've we've seen in my experience is that. Um, there's been a lot of experience, uh, experimentation, building in public, which I think is the, which is exciting. That's part of why I'm in this space is there's, we have an opportunity to build something new in the blue ocean. Um, and I think what's been great has been the community around it. People that I've talked to like you, um, people are just excited to experiment, to try something new, to, you know, put it out there and see what happens. And that's been for me, the most exciting pieces, just meeting other founders, other artists, and who are really passionate about this. You know, our previous, we did a little bit of a pivot last year to come into web three. We were working on email marketing and advertising for Instagram and text messaging. While important, nobody was really getting excited about that. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. So that has been for me, the most exciting thing is how, once you are, you know, you've done some of your own research, you're, get excited about the space, what can potentially happen in the future, um, and the conversations that come from that, like this one. You know, another thing that uh, I find really interesting is the platforms in which people build communities, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, So let's talk about, like, the funnel, for example. People use their social media, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Twitch, etc. They use these, like, grandiose platforms to build viral audiences. Yep. And then they use sub-platforms like Substack or Patreon or OnlyFans, etc. to basically monetize that audience, yep. right? They're quote-unquote 1,000 true fans, 100 true fans. Everybody yep. has their own phrase around it, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but when you talk about like creative entrepreneurship, you talk about creators and how they're using, uh, I guess, Web2 platforms to build a life, how, to, how they, they monetize. Yep. One thing that I'm excited about is their introduction into Web3 through social tokens, through NFTs, through DAOs. A lot of the premise of why Mint was started was to create more conversations as to how creators can use these primitives to build a community, to monetize that community, and to scale that community. And, you know, it's interesting because people shit on NFTs. People shit on social social tokens. And they fall trapped to this, like, uh, this sheep narrative where it's bad, it's not good, it's evil, mm-hmm, blah, right. blah, blah. But when you think about it, it's actually the first time in history where you can create a true, authentic, direct-to-fan relationship. Owning that communication channel, owning that monetization channel, something that you weren't really able to do in the past. Yep. Okay, what do I mean by that? When you issue an NFT, when you issue a social token, your audience buys that, Okay. There's no Patreon, there is no OnlyFans, there's no centralized platform that actually owns that community building element, right? right? You use a platform like Discord or Telegram to build that community and have a direct line of communication to your audience, which you otherwise wouldn't have really had if you didn't have SMS or email, in my opinion, really like outdated forms of, of communication and right. really annoying forms of communication. So 
you know, back to community building platforms, like I'm beyond interested to see how musicians, for example, are using their one of ones, their additions, their social tokens, their DAO communities to form more tight knit groups, right? And focus less on the virality that comes from social platforms and more of the, 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 what's the word? Like the more of the intimate experience that comes from buying an asset and then creating value around that asset. Mm -hmm. That's what's personally exciting to me. Like minting is cool. All these numbers are cool, but like it's very short term value, right? How do you create long term sustainable value? Um, So yeah, again, we haven't seen a playbook like that developed either. Maybe the closest thing to that is Board Ape Yacht Club. But that's more of like a a creator community. It's not a creator to his audience, to her audience, etc. Yeah, it's just some thoughts. No, definitely. I think also a lot of the narrative has, like you said, it's been about the minting, but not necessarily what comes after the minting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, And that's something that when we're working, trying to find clients to work with, we need to make sure that there is something, there's a repeatable process. And that's also why the, the, I feel like the social tokens or ESG tokens are really great because you can embed them into different things. You could say, you know, reward a fan for um, pre-saving a track. You could give the cashback example that we talked about. You could use the tokens as gated access to a specialized, you know, a private event for token holders or something special like that. So there are a number of different ways that we're working with our, you know, our clients and partners to be able to build these repeatable experiences, some of which can be set and forget, right? If you have something on your website, right, you've got a cool hoodie um, and, you know, it's you get $15 cash back. You can kind of set that. You don't have to always be like, hey, buy my token, buy my token. And I think that's for me also in the music space, since we're, you know, the season is about music, is in, you know, in traditional fan artist relationship, even though the artists do talk about hey, this is all for the fans, this is all for the fans, but they do immediately kind of go and turn around and say, hey, well, actually, stream my song, though, or buy my stuff, mm-hmm. right? So it has the, the sort of the, you know, notion or impression of being a two-way street, but it's not really, right? Mm-hmm. They're selling to a customer base, and the customers are buying or engaging with their products. But what Web3 allows us to do is actually allow the artist to reward their fan with an appreciable asset say hey i appreciate you sharing my music to your fan base to your community engaging with this and i want you to be able to grow along with me and my future success and kind of you know almost make a uh, digital web3 street team for artists where they you know everybody can participate and gets rewarded for engaging and building the community and kind of gets a little bit into a future of work thing right what if you could you know, that was your job was promoting different communities or, you know, making money from the Web3 ecosystem. And I think that kind of stuff is exciting and it unlocks a true two way street for artists and fans. Yeah. Another thing that I'm excited about that I haven't seen uh, done exceptionally well yet is once you buy that asset, similar to what you were just saying, how do you actually incentivize and verify contribution? Right. Okay, so for example, in the context of music, let's say an artist releases an album, okay, and they do a bunch of promotions on it. How can you actually reward the listeners who bought into that asset and are part of the community, the DAO, whatever you want to coin it? Sure. How do you incentivize them to promote and then exchange reward, right? Where, okay, sure, the asset itself might appreciate that initially got him into the door, but how can you add tiers of monetization and tiers of rewards and verify contribution and build reputation 
uh, and do this all digitally, right? Yeah. In a very like sustainable, long-term kind of like, yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's so much room. Yeah. <laughs> there's exactly. so many things to do. There's so much room to experiment. There's so much room to, to build uh, and no creator is doing it right just yet. Um, what else are you seeing? What else are you excited about? It's it's the start of 2022. We're in February. It's February 10th right now. Yeah. What else are you are you looking at beyond, I guess, where we are today? Well, I actually wanted to touch on that last point okay. that you just said, um, which is something I'm also excited about, um, which is, you know, bringing back to Remark for a second, is that is one thing that we've built into our platform, is building the tools for the, you know, the creative communities or companies to be able to engage and reward their, you know, stakeholders. So that is what we call our peer-to-peer ads or rewards model. And basically the idea is, is that we reward fans, customers, stakeholders for taking different actions. So let's say that could be, you know, buying a product or it could be engaging with a brand campaign. And instead of, you know, in traditional social media advertising, it, the payout is for impressions, right? But we said, let's move that payout from impressions to actually actions. So, okay, let's just do an example real quick. So I'm an artist, I put out a new music video, right? And I'm gonna post it on socials and that sort of stuff. And normally when I go to run an ad on Facebook, what I do, or Instagram, is I put some cash in and it does a story ad or a post ad. And the user experience on Instagram is like, oh, I saw an ad, I'm just gonna scroll right past this because I wanna see the content I actually wanna see, right? But now, what if you could make that content, you know, you could post on your story and say, hey, swipe up to watch the video and earn tokens, or swipe up to watch the video and share the video with your network and earn more tokens for doing that. So that's kind of the peer-to-peer ads or rewards model that we've built that kind of incentivizes continued engagement and turning that ad spend right from an expense where you're just paying Instagram or Facebook mm-hmm. turning it to actually an investment because what you're doing now is you're investing in your community you're paying your community you're rewarding your community for helping to promote your collective brand right because the fans are an important part of your brand and the success of your brand so that's how we're kind of looking at can you make the community a real part of of what you're doing by using this peer to peer ads or, or rewards model got it interesting so much to unpack. So much, uh, so much to do. Um, so what's next for Remark? Where well, are we headed? Well, we're headed. Um, we're going to be doing a launch at end of March, beginning of April. So okay. um, top line, you know, tokens definitely going to be with Masego. Masego Coin, he's nominated for a Grammy this year. He's playing at Coachella. Cool. He's really deep in the space. Really excited to be working with him and his label EQT. Um, they have a JV with Capital Records, um, which is short for a joint venture. And uh, yeah, they have... You know, some really great guys over there. Just had a meeting with them yesterday. Some really fun and exciting conversations. Excited about that. Um, we're also working with another label called 3TE. They have a number of merging artists, um, to which um, are Isla, one of which is also Johnny West. He was on uh, American Idol in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also work with uh, kind of an OG Bay Area rapper by the name of Too Short. Um, so we're going to be working with them and their their clients as well to be doing some exciting stuff. And those will all be coming as part of our launch, as well as another kind of community. And this is an example of how we're looking beyond music a little bit as well. So there's this community called uh, Make. Um, they're sort of the 
original protagonists or promoters of the term Web 2.0, actually, back in the day. Um, they have this community of makers um, that are sort of like DIY, um, you know, creators of, of different projects and things like that. So they also have a magazine. So we're looking cool. at how can we use the token with their magazine? How can we use it with their upcoming Amazing Maker Awards, rewarding the community of makers, um, that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, some really exciting, diverse projects that we're working on and they'll all be part of the part of the rollout in end of march beginning of april so that's that's what's next for us kind of building up that story the go to market and getting ready to launch well look we'll have to do a recap closer to that time or after that time and check in and see where everything's at but uh thank you for being on this was really fun uh, and hope to have you again soon thanks for having me on adam